Welcome to Abbott. Good morning on this beautiful day. If you'd like a hug, here you are.
Welcome to Advent United Methodist Church in beautiful, sunny, warm <laughs> Egan, Minnesota. I am Pastor Eric Elkin, the lead pastor of this amazing congregation and this wonderful staff. Wherever you are, however you are, and whatever is taking place in your heart at this time, let us be drawn together into one spiritual community to worship the God of everlasting love, hope, and mercy. Each week, the worship team invites you to transform your place of viewing into a sacred space. And to engage in this process, we have a couple of things that you will need to prepare. You will need to have a candle. You will need to have a box. I don't even know what this box is about, but I heard it's gonna be good. You will need to have some bread. You'll need to have a cup and you'll need to have some juice because today we will be celebrating communion. And as we celebrate communion, it is important to remember that what, though we are separated, we are breaking bread together and view that time as though we are sitting with our neighbors. I also invite you to share your words, to share your experience, and to share this worship service with people that you know. In a time of isolation, it is absolutely critical to proclaim to the world, you are not alone. So now, let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship with this threshold moment. We continue with our Easter season because Easter isn't just one day. We have an abundance of days to celebrate new life. The early church shared their abundance in this way, as read from the book of Acts chapter two, Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. We create a temple of worship in our hearts that connects us across boundaries, distance, and time. But as we share this worship, we will stay connected. At the heart of the matter, we are connected through the spirit that makes us one in love. We are going to center our hearts as we begin. Let's take a deep breath together. We invite you to place your hand on your heart and tap lightly, it's tap lightly together in a slow heartbeat rhythm. Holy living God, heartbeat of creation, Help us to take this time to center on you, for you made us, you gave us life, and you continue to be with us. Every, every moment, moment, every breath, every step. Hear this assurance from God.
got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. Uh, hey, Miss Kathy, what are you doing? It kind of looks like you're baking. Hi, Miss Ariel. Yeah, I am. I am making some bread today because my family loves homemade bread. It makes us feel so warm and cozy and peaceful inside, especially when we sit down and eat it and share it together. Let's see, I need, I need some salt. Oh, you know, that looks so delicious. I wish I could smell the aroma of the bread. Oh, hey, uh, speaking of bread, you, that reminds me, today we're having communion, but at our own houses, right? I mean, we always have bread at communion. We do, and that's exactly what we're doing today. And that's what part of why I'm making bread, so that we can share our bread together at our house. Um, did you know, Miss Ariel, that Jesus shared bread with his friends and that was his way of helping them feel peaceful inside too that's really awesome i know that when people share bread with me like at church sometimes it makes me feel really really warm inside to just eat this fresh bread and it's so good and oh with butter oh man now oh. i'm all excited i need some bread <laughs> oh i know well we're going to share some later and when Jesus shared bread with his friends, that was the first communion. Wow. It was during the Last Supper. Awesome. And his friends were scared and they were worried, but when he shared bread and wine with them, it made them feel so much better inside. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Um, so I think that our friends today, I think you all should share bread with your family. What do you think, Miss Ariel? Like the next kind of bread? Yeah, or that kind of bread. Any kind of bread that you have. No, I think that's a, a really, really good way to pass the peace with each other is to share this bread. I think so, too. And then as a family, something you can do while you're sharing your bread is talk about ways that you can help other people feel more peaceful. Maybe you know a neighbor who really likes bread, and you can make them a loaf of bread, or you can buy a nice one from the grocery store and take it over to them. Just make sure you wash your hands first. That sounds like a really good idea to me. Once we grab our bread, we can share with others and pass that peace within our, with our homes, but also with our neighbors, too. I think that's amazing. I think that's a great idea. Should we pray ourselves out of here, Miss Kathy? I think we should. Just let me get this last little cup of flour into my can. Wonderful. We'll pray. All right. All right. Dear God. Dear God. Thank you. Thank you for helping us, for helping us to feel peace, to feel peace. Thank you. Thank you for bread, for bread and let it and let it fill us up, fill us up. In Jesus name we pray. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Right. Bye faith builders. See you Bye. soon. See you soon. Thank you, Miss Ariel and Miss Kathy. Today, as we center ourselves for prayer time, we're going to hear a very special song sung by Stephanie Clark. It's called Deep Peace of the Rolling Wave to You. This comes to us out of the Celtic tradition, and it reminds us to sit still and to be at peace. 
Deep peace of the rolling waves to you, deep peace of the silent stars. Deep peace of the blowing air to you, deep peace of the quiet earth. Let peace, let peace, let peace fill your soul. May peace, may peace, may peace make you whole. Deep peace of the rolling waves to you, deep peace of the silent stars. Deep peace of the blowing air to you, deep peace of the quiet earth. Let peace, let peace, let peace fill your soul. May peace, may peace, may peace make you whole. Let's go ahead and take another deep breath making our, sure our shoulders are back and any tension we feel in our bodies, we let go as we breathe in. Let's take another one. And now I invite you to pick up your heart stone, sometimes called a worry stone, and let our touch on its surface remind us again that God's touch is within us, between us, and around us. As close and real as this object is in our hands right now is how close love is to us always. Let us imagine letting go of our worries for now into the heart of God's love. You are invited to place your stone near your candle and then join us in this prayer song of letting go. time for today is based on the familiar 23rd Psalm. Loving Shepherd, you lead and guide us. You walk alongside 
you prepare, you feed, you call all of your sheep. Even those of us who are lost, those of us who are straying, those of us who stay close to your comforting staff. We are grateful for the lush green pastures of our lives, and we pause now to offer our thanksgiving for the goodness in our lives. There are so many who walk in the shadows of fear and suffering and despair, and we pause now to offer our prayers for the broken and the bleeding places in this world. We also offer our prayers for the sheep of our own flocks. In our families and our friends. In this church and our community. Oh, oh loving, loving shepherd, shepherd we, we have, have all that we need as we, we live in you. Join us now in the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Luke, chapter 14, verse 1 through 14. One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and said, Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Again, they could not answer. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all of your guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then, at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Amen. I'm preaching today from House of Hope Presbyterian Church on Summit Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. This is one of my favorite places to worship. Matter of fact, when I was on sabbatical, Peggy and I worshiped here for almost a year. I love the architecture of this building. I love the architecture of the sanctuary. It is bold, grand, and beautiful. You feel like you've walked into a sacred space just the moment you enter it. The architecture itself of the place inspires awe. The music here is absolutely spectacular. The acoustics enhance every single musical offering. The sound just bounces off these grand stone walls and filters down into the hallways, into every little crevice in this massive structure. When you worship here, few people leave after the benediction. Organist Aaron David Miller plays this amazing postlude on this big, massive, organ. And I know, I know it's a performance, but to me, it's so much more than a performance. It is like this glorious and beautiful amen to the end of a morning worship service. Inside this sanctuary, they have a vaulted pulpit. During worship, the pastor will leave the altar area, take some stairs behind a wall, and then all of a sudden appear in this pulpit. It's magical when you're watching it. It's hard to see the preacher as one with the people when they're preaching from way up there, speaking from such a prominent place in such a grand sanctuary, the voice of the preacher commands authority, an authority which transcends the preacher's personality or their approach to ministry. Just so you know, vaulted pulpits were included in sanctuaries like this one simply so people could see the preacher. It has nothing to do with the preacher being full of themselves. Still, if you're watching the preacher preach, it would, hard, it would be hard not to think they enjoy such a place of prominence. When I was in seminary, our chapel was a mini version of this chapel. No, it was not copied after each other. It was just that it was stone and stained glass window and an elevated pulpit the base of which stood about five feet off the ground. The only difference was that chapel was a very, very small room. The big moment of your senior year at seminary is the day you get to preach in chapel. And the day I preached, the professor in charge of the experience demanded that I preach from the pulpit. Now, he was five foot three and needed the elevation. At six foot five, the vaulted pulpit only drew more attention to my physical size. Have you ever felt uncomfortable when somebody stood too close to you when they talked or hovered over the top of you while they talked to you? This is how the congregation felt when I entered that pulpit and I could see their discomfort in their faces. It was like the jolly green giant had been invited into the sacred space to speak. So I did what I always do. I met discomfort with humor. I opened my sermon with, hey, can everybody see me? And if you can't, maybe you want to move before I start. That experience taught me something about myself. I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like having all eyes on me. 
At the same time, I'm also acutely aware of how my physical presence impacts those around me. Sometimes, I physically intimidate people just by being present in a room. Later in my senior year, during my final approval interview, a member of my candidacy committee shared with me some insights. He had been with me all along from the first moment I decided to enter seminary. And he said to me, he goes, Eric, you know, when I first met you, I thought you were the most narcissistic human being I ever met. I wanted to start singing, you lift me up. <laughs> but he said, I thought you were the most narcissistic human being I ever met in my life. But the longer I've gotten to know you, not only is that not true, but it's the exact opposite. You really need to be able to change that. Well, he was right. My entire life, I've had to battle people's perception of me, a perception I don't often get to determine. Listen, I am a six foot five, hyperactive extrovert with a certain level of charisma. I love to laugh, and when I laugh, I laugh really, really loud. So when I walk into a room, my presence tends to dominate that room. All eyes are on me, whether I want them to be or not. I don't want to be the center of attention, but to do that, I have to change every single thing about myself. Like this big grand house of God that you see behind me, what you see on the outside is not always necessarily what dwells within. House of Hope is a castle in a neighborhood of mansions. Everything up and down Summit Avenue is so grand and glorious that this church building sometimes doesn't even stand out. Whether looking at the outside structure or entering the sanctuary, I could see some people being turned off by this place. I can hear those people's words because I've heard them before. I am a simple, humble person. I want a personal relationship with Jesus that's not about the money. Grand places like this are for the arrogant and wealthy and self-righteous believers who think they can buy their way into heaven. Yeah, no judgment there. If you think this way, I want to invite you to take a different look. This congregation has a long and dynamic history of ministering to at-risk populations. When they celebrated their 150th anniversary, they raised $4.5 million to build affordable housing units for at-risk people. House of Hope partnered with Beacon Interfaith um, Housing Collaborative to build a 44-unit option for homeless youth in St. Paul. They also work to fight domestic abuse, child abuse, hunger, and homelessness. They are dedicated advocates for health care and seek to control gun violence. This work is not some empty message preached from some vaulted pulpit, but a mission woven into the hearts of the believers who listen. They have taken all that they have received, their time, their talents, their treasures, and have worked to build a better place. I wanted to from here to make this point. Don't let appearances fool you. I love this grand church for its humility, not for its perfection, but for its humility. It understands and lives Christ's words. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
I've been in a hundred small, simple, plain sanctuaries where congregations love to shine a light on their humility, yet their mission never extends beyond the four walls of that sanctuary, and their focus never drifts far from the person that's sitting next to them in their humble house of worship. Humility is not an appearance, but an approach to life. It is an attitude one takes when they encounter and engage the world. Today's preaching point is this, to find joy in the chaos, we need an attitude of humility that recognizes we cannot solve or control the chaos in our life on our own. We need other people to help us. And nothing reveals the need for humility quite like this pandemic. This virus doesn't care about your age, your prosperity, your wealth, or your knowledge. It does not care about your political affiliation, opinion, or your theories about its origin. It is programmed to mutate, transfer, and destroy. Don't just look at the death totals as a point of reference of how strong it is. What makes this virus more difficult than any of the ones that came before it is it doesn't always kill. If it did kill, it would kill itself out. We cannot fight this battle on our own. Scientists desperately seeking to understand and find solutions, they need information. They need information even from their enemies. How you individually react to it impacts the people around you, both the people you know and the people you don't know. You need your enemy to help you as well as your friend. Maybe you're consumed with fear over this pandemic. For some, fear and frustration are becoming anger. For me, and not to minimize the seriousness of it all, I'm finding too many expressions of joy to be angry. Because our neighbors are outside walking more than ever before, we're actually getting to know them. (laughs) Our neighborhood was more a place of shelter in before the virus than after it. Nurses, doctors, EMTs, first responders are stepping up in amazing ways. But the truth is, they do this all the time. It's now only during this virus and this pandemic that we're seeing it. I'm witnessing every day average people stepping up to do amazing acts of compassion for others. But you want to know the truth? That also happens every single day. It's only now in the chaos that we're noticing it. It's only when our ability to be with each other has been taken away that we are truly appreciating the depth of the need for it. I mean, really seriously, even introverts are discovering how much they need others in their life, how much they need human community to survive. And when I see this, I want to say, as the song goes, my life moves on an endless song. How can I keep from singing? In the book of joy, Archbishop Tutu says, we are not created for independence and self-sufficiency, but for interdependence and mutual support. We are all born and all die in the same way. And at these moments, we are totally dependent on others. Whether you are a Dalai Lama or a beggar, whether you are archbishop or a refugee, I want you to see your interdependence is not a point of weakness, but a source of strength. A strength that helps even the most wounded soul find joy even in the midst of crazy chaos. I pray that you adopt humility 
I pray that you adopt an attitude of humility, especially in this time of isolation, because it will allow you to experience God's joy in the midst of the chaos of your life, whether there's a pandemic or not. Amen. There is a tradition that is called the God Box. It is a practice of writing down some anxiety that can feel too big to handle or that might feel overwhelming, perhaps. You can also put something that you can't quite figure out yet, such as a problem that you don't know what to do about. Letting go of it even just for a little while can often help to free our minds and discover a new way to look at it. I invite you during this next song to go ahead and write something down on a piece of paper that you would like to put into a God box. We can make that God box after worship is over, and then you can go ahead and place your pieces inside of it at the end of the service. Daniel Peterson and I'm excited to join you at Advent United Methodist Church as your new choir director. My first day is May 1st and I can't wait to see you all in person and you might hear and see me online in the coming weeks. Thank you for all the people who've reached out to me and welcomed me so warmly. I look forward to getting to know all of you in the weeks and months to come. We want to express a word of gratitude and thanks for your continued support of Advent during this time. You can continue to support Advent by clicking on the link provided in the description below or through mailing. Let's join our voices together in a prayer of dedication. God of love, you abide with us. You provide for all our needs and guide us in your ways. Out of gratitude for your care, we bring our gifts before you. Use them for your work of caring, that all may feast at the table of abundance, walk without fear, and drink deeply from the cup of compassion. Amen. It is so easy, at times of great stress, to become blind to the blessings that are overflowing in our own lives. 
So let us give thanks today for the abundance of our table. Let us pray as we gather around this table and around your table at home. Shepherding God, we gather in your name, invited by Jesus, bound together with your spirit, in union with each other. Feed our bodies and our spirit with your comforting presence so that we might be your comfort to others. Bless this food. And as we break this bread, break open our hearts to your love. Bless this drink. And as we pour out this juice into the cup, pour out your love into our lives. Now I invite you to pick up your plate of food or your bread and cup of drink at home from your own table. And let us say the words that are at the heart of the matter in every blessing we do at our own tables, repeating after me, I am grateful. I am grateful. I am grateful. Amen. As we close this time of worship, thank you for being together with us in love. Now, as we part from this moment, remember God goes with you. No matter what tomorrow looks like or how big the fears of this day may appear, God is right beside you, filling your cup, which only seems to be empty, to overflowing, guiding each step of your path so that you might find hope. So take your fears and your worries and your anxieties and just let them go. Open your heart to God's loving presence so you might find joy in the chaos. For this is truly the heart of the matter. Amen. Amen.